Welcome all to Sound of La Liga. La Liga was back at the weekend and produced some lovely, intriguing football and a few surprise results. But before we get into that, let's welcome the gang. Emma, Bertie Gill, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. It's my birthday. And oh, I am know, older know, now. We know, we know. We've seen you post about 50 times on Twitter. We know it's your birthday. <laughs> Self-promotion. Ah, oh, absolutely. But listen, happy birthday. And as always, it's lovely to have you on. Thank you. And Dan, the man. Good evening, Gav. Did you enjoy the weekend? Oh, it's absolutely lovely, mate. The coverage was great. And I think I got through seven full matches, which tells me I need to get a life a bit. But yeah, the football class as well. Yeah, it was great to have her back, wasn't it? Brilliant to have her back. I tell you, it's, um, a lot of people are giving out about 11 spots, but there's one thing I will say that's absolutely brilliant is the La Liga TV with the likes of Graham Hunter and Simon Hanley. It's just, it's brilliant. It's what we deserve. It is what it we is. deserve. Brilliant. Um, Daryl, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm knackered, actually, but I'm here. How are you? Uh, grand. Listen, as always, Daryl, it's, um, it's interesting to have you on. And joining us today is Tyler Dunn from the excellent Banter FC podcast. Tyler, how are you doing, Chief? Oh, it's good to be on the show, guys. Happy birthday, Emma. I know you are not that old, at 25 years old, looking like a million bucks. We've seen it all on Twitter today, and it's great to be back. You know, the La Liga's back. Great football, you know, Friday through Monday, and I'm, getting, I'm really excited to talk about it. Brilliant, Tyler. I'm just going to pull you up on one thing there, Chief. It's not De La Liga, my man. Hey, I live, we live in America. Oh, fair enough, Chief. All right, that's you are absolutely all right. Well, look, I'm going to run through the results. On Friday, we had Girona nil, Valladolid nil, with Real Betis nil, Levante three. Nobody saw that one coming. We had Celta Vigo one, Espanyol one, with Villarreal one, La Real two. It was actually a great game, that. Uh, Barcelona three, Alaves nil, Eibar one, Huesca two. It was probably my game of the weekend. We had Rayo one. Sevilla 4, Real Madrid 2, Hatafe 0, Valencia 1, Athletic 1, that was a brilliant game as well. Um, sorry, Atletico. Um, we did Athletic 2 and Leganes 1. Emma, what was your game of the weekend? Uh, well, I was at Barcelona versus Alavés, um, but my game of the weekend was probably Eibar versus Huesca. Brilliant, wasn't it? It was great fun. Um, Galar, Galar, that's his name, isn't it? Galar scored an absolute wonder goal, which if the likes of Messi had a scored, we'd be probably speaking about it for a couple of weeks. That is very true. Stunning goal to announce yourself on the league. Um, Emma, where Abar poor or Huesca? good i think huesca were great they played totally without fear um and they look perfectly at home i mean abar totally have lost a lot of talent but they seem okay they weren't as bad as i was expecting them to be if i'm totally honest and dan what about yourself what game uh, what game intrigued you friday the second game on friday gav down at the Benito Villamarín like you said at the start I don't think many people have predict, predicted a, uh, a real Betis loss especially 3-0 and it intrigued me that in many reasons in, in many ways sorry 
the fact that Betis had a lot of the possession and a lot of chances and just didn't do anything with it, which is quite wor- quite worrying for, for them from the first game in front of all the fans. And how well Levante have carried on from last season. You know, we, we, we talked about them a few times and we've heard people talk about them, read about Levante's great run towards the end of the season and look to go there and win 3-0 is a massive result and the shock factor arrived straight away on, on the first day. Morales. Oh, goal. oh. Incredible goal, wasn't it? Incredible. Not half. Not half. And it just shows the confidence that Levante had last season, towards the end of last season, the last, what were it, last eight, nine, ten games. And he's carried on all the way through to this, to this season. And... Yeah, I know he got a little bit lucky, but I'm not going to look at that at all because it, it, it was a great nearly 80-metre sprint, good control, and the finish just topped it off. Absolutely brilliant goal. Dan, are we still, when we think of Levante today, do we still remember them before this incredible winning streak? Is that the mindset of most fans? Would you, you just you know, if you're walking into the bookies and you go, oh, Levante, yeah, 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 whoever... Is playing Levante, you know, you'll throw a few euro against Levante. Are we forgetting that? As the, the last 11 games, I think, is nine wins, one draw and two defeats. I mean, at one stage, that's that's the best run in Europe. Yeah, and let's not forget that they were the only La Liga team to beat Barca last season. You know, we can't... What I'm, I'm throwing the question back to you there, saying that, but when do we start accepting them as a as a, as a steady La Liga team and someone who aren't just going to roll over, it's. I'm not sure, Gav. There's a lot of a lot of strong teams this season. I think a lot of teams have spent well, uh, strengthened in areas that they needed to. And, I mean, I'm quite intrigued to see how they're how they're going to carry on. I don't know what the fixtures are looking like for Levante, but listen, if they can get a few wins in the next couple of games we're going to put them in the right position and sh- straight away you're forgetting about relegation because yeah. let's be honest that's that's what we need to be looking out for seeing how far they are away from the bottom and then anything other than other than that is where they move on yeah 100% our next two games are actually at home and they're playing Celta and Valencia so so we should but be tasty I, yeah I, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we bet Celta so and then anything against a point against Valencia is a massive point. So if we can get that, absolutely. And Daryl, what about yourself? What game captured you? Oh, easily the same one. Um, I couldn't imagine picking a different one to be honest with you. Nobody saw that particular one coming, and just the nature of how it played out, the way Betis was so dominant, so classically. Dominant, everything that you'd expect them to be, except they got absolutely smashed goal-wise. It's like you say, and crowned by an absolute wonder goal as well. Fantastic match. It was. There's a lad here, um, Zoyet. He asks, do you think Betis can do well in both the Europa League and the Liga? Do they have the squad for it? If you're... like, They didn't play bad on Friday. They were actually quite entertaining. But as you said, they were just sucker-punched three times, but he went sucker punched in the fact in the sense that Levante were poor. Levante were clinical in that counters. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think 
I think Betis can still do well. I think it's good that they're getting that kind of wake-up call early in the season so they don't just sort of get themselves onto this sort of complacency carousel of just like we outplay everyone except, say, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Uh, Football-wise, their quality is right up there, but they need to have that spine. They always did have that vulnerability last season, and I think that that's a good wake-up call to set them off. And I don't see any reason why they can't still perform on both stages. I mean, I said last week that I would really rate them to win the Europa League, probably at the expense of La Liga. Mm. I didn't see anything there that would turn me against that idea. Tyler, what about yourself? What game are you, what game are you watching? The game that impressed me the most was Sevilla versus Rio. It was such a great performance by Sevilla, but it was a back-and-forth game. Possession was even. The, the action of the game was nice and back and forth. The atmosphere was great. But to see Andre Silva come from AC Milan, struggle over you know, Serie A, come to you know, the Premier Division and have such a great debut, first hat-trick and a debut since 1993, 25 years ago. It was a great performance by Sevilla, the most goals scored by any team. And it was an emphatic performance. And we also saw VAR be used for both teams. A hat-trick goal given to Andre Silva for offsides. It was originally called offsides, and then it was called onside. And then, obviously, the penalty for Rio towards the end in the 85th minute, which was saw outside the area, and then they ruled it that was inside the area. So, Sevilla versus Rio was such a great game to watch. It was entertaining. It was an awesome football match, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. That was back and forth, but clinical from Sevilla, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do this season. Is um, The fact they have Andre Silva is that... Is that who they need? Is that what Sevilla have needed since they've lost Gamero? They really do. They need a, a, a striker that can kind of play in that target situation. And if you looked at it based on last season, if you looked at what he did for Milan, but there was a reason why his fee was 40 million euros. He was good. He had a great, great Confederations Cup. He's good for Portugal. He's been good in the league. So for him to come to, you know, to La Liga and see how he did in this first matchup, it was really good. When you look at the other team in the same region, they lack a number nine in Fatis. And Silva looks like he could be that number nine that could have a really good season, maybe 15, 20 goals. And if he can carry on this form throughout the whole season, it could be the difference between finishing in an Europa League position and finishing in a Champions League position. Emma, a question here from Sirijan. If Hueske had a new A-bar, what are A-bar now? Um, struggling. Bad. It's do you see do you see Abar not being the Abar for the last three seasons? No, I mean they've lost. Uh, they've lost too much talent, I think, and I, I don't remember who they've signed, but I don't think it's enough to replace Inui. And oh yeah, on uh, on Inui should set him be sacked. <laughs> For not playing him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a mistake. Um, yeah, so you reckon Abar are going to struggle this season? Yeah, I don't think that they will get relegated, but I think they will definitely be down the bottom end, without question. Hmm. Daryl, here's one from Conal. Do you think Barcelona might sacrifice La Liga or the Copper or just one of them to win the Champions League and end Los Blancos' European dominance? 
I mean, I hope they. But do you think they have to? I think I think they have to sacrifice the Copa at last. I thought that their continual obsession with playing a top side in that every week did cost them last season. Okay, they wound up winning it. But at what cost? The, the league was effectively won from very early on. And it just, it just seemed like an extra emphasis on a competition that we don't really struggle to win. And I, th- I do feel that the team would actually benefit more if more fringe players were being given chances in those kinds of games. That maybe players like Dennis Suarez, for example, might have been given a bit more of a chance to fit in and shine if they'd have been playing those games further along. And if we get knocked out, we get knocked out. At the end of the day, it is the Copa del Rey. It's it's lovely to win it and everything, but it's never going to compare to the big two. No. Do you reckon, though, Daryl, with the squads Barcelona have this season, that if Valverde was to use the fringe players, and some of the fringe players he has are actually pretty feckin' special, do you reckon that would allow the fringe players to make an impact in trying to win something themselves and allow the top players, the, the real elite, to concentrate on the Liga and the Champions League? Did he have the squad for it? Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the players, I mean, you could conceivably see a central mid three, midfield three sent out of, say, Arthur... Um, Dennis Suarez and Rafinha. Now, that's a hell of a central three to consider your second string. And it's arguable whether you'd even really class at least Suarez as part of the second string. He's really kind of like an outsider in the squad. That's a hell of a lot of quality to be sending out there. And they are capable. So why not send them out in the Copa? Mm, 100%. Good question here. I'm going to go on to Dan. Dan, we've seen in the last week or so the pretty extraordinary news coming out of the league that there will be games played in the United States. How, how do you feel? How do you honestly feel about it? And can you give me any pros as to why it may be a good idea? Uh, I think it's a terrible idea, Gav, to be totally honest with you. I'm glad you've asked me about this because it's... Why, why is it bad idea? I just think that, look, they've said initially one game a season, but that could change to two, three, four. Straight away, two teams are, are playing the other side of the world in a competition which is very intense, whether you're fighting for a title, whether you're fighting for survival, whichever end of the table you are, whichever end of the table you're at. And... It's taking players it's out of their maybe their comfort zone if it's an home match. You know, you look at the smaller teams if they if it's an home match for them. You're putting them across in a different. Depends whereabouts in America they're going to play. What's the climate going to be like? What's the temperature going to be like? What is the atmosphere of the stadium going to be like? Is it going to be an artificial artificial pitch? Which which I've seen in some stadiums in America. What. I just don't see no logic. I do. I, I do see right. why doing it for money, for money right. reasons and promotion. But I just think there's way too many cons with it. Right, right. Let me let me throw something to you. Right, go on, mate. They're saying one game. Yeah. Let's just say it was two games. Let, let's just say, for argument's sake, um, just hypothetically, it was Barcelona and Betis. What if it was the two games? 
both teams and it was financially rewarding to both teams to do it. Um, it'll be a neutral ground for the two games, so whoever's home, whoever's away, is that not feasible? If it were, if the league accommodated them as well, because you, you couldn't expect them to fucking be playing Champions League on a, a Wednesday and then flying over to, we say, for argument's sake, New York on a Saturday and then to play a Champions League game. But if, if the league accommodated it, how would you feel then if it was the two games? Like, I know the big thing, that's one thing that bothers me. Oh, yeah, we play one game. I don't give a shit who it is. Whoever's, whoever's supposed to be playing at home that weekend is at a disadvantage. And God forbid they lose. She hits the fan. Yeah. You know what? That, that what you just put to me there, that sounds better. The fact that the the uh, and the away fixture are both played abroad. But even then I still don't think it's a, a smart idea. I think we'll get it'll raise the profile of the league. Let's not forget that Premier League is a massive, massive cash cow around the world and they don't do that. So I don't think we need to do it. I do, we, like I'm part of it. Uh, I don't think they need to do yeah, it. Part of it. <laughs> I am, I am. Uh, and I just think that, like I said, that there's too many cons for it. Yeah, it's great for the fans who live in America, whether it's ca- or, or Canada, or wherever the idea would be in the future. But that's what pre-season tours are for. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, for, for me, I, I, I wouldn't expect La Liga to come to me. I expect to go to go to yeah. Spain, you know. I went I went last year last yeah. year. I did 12, 12 games and I saved up for that. You know, that was a couple yeah. of years saving up and I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I were happy that I went and did it in their stadiums. If I want to watch Spanish football, I'll go to Spain. If yeah. I want to watch Bayern Munich, I'll go to Germany. If I want to you know and I, there's so many things what I wanted to say about it where it's just the fact yeah. that the the fans you got to think about the fans now. If I take if I take it from my point of view, a massive massive Barnsley fan, watch Barnsley week in week out. If all of a sudden one of our games got, it's not gonna. No one's gonna shift chop the league one football across the world. But if someone yeah. took a game away from me, and I'd be like, what? You can't yeah. just take it. Yeah. Even yeah. if they moved it out of bounds, never mind just out of, out of England. It's. Oh, does anybody else want to chip in with this? Cause no, I'm gonna, tell you, I'm gonna, ju- I'm gonna <laughs> Go on, jump. I'm gonna jump over to um, uh, Tyler because um, yeah. Emma, 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 Emma said something um, on Twitter, which to me is the ideal approach that should be made. But I'll go to Tyler first because he's an American, and because Tyler, where are you based actually in America? I live in Orlando, Florida. Okay, so let's just say for argument's sake, next week um, La Liga decides that next match, of whatever, uh, Barcelona are going to be playing Betis in yep. Orlando, Florida. How would you feel about it? I think Honestly. It would, it would be pretty cool, but I just we just have those preseason friendlies. The ICC, we all know, the International Champions. Oh, I know, but come on, Toy, let's be honest. The ICC... If, but, the if, fans, uh, but the fans didn't come out and watch it. This whole summer was a proof that if you charge too much money for tickets and your star players aren't there, how many players yeah. are going to elect to say, you know, do I really want to make the trip to Orlando, Florida the second week of the season? Some of the good teams might send, you know, some reserve players, and that's great and all, but Americans want to watch the stars. We're yeah. a star, we're a star, you know, star-driven country. Everything 
things about our stars. We like LeBron James. We like Michael Jordan. We like the Neymars. We like the Messi's, the Cristiano Ronaldo's. Those are the stars. Mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney is probably one of the most popular players in MLS, and he's only been here for like three weeks. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a big name. Even though we have a young kid named Joseph Martinez that's goal- scoring all these goals in MLS for Atlanta United, no one really cares. All they care about is the Zlatans and the Wayne Rooney's of the world. That's what they care about. I think the idea of playing in the United States, it's cool, right? You know, as an American fan, to be able to watch a La Liga match, an actual competitive match would be great. But is it good for the quality? Is it good for the standard of the world? Absolutely not. You're asking these players to be on flights for eight, nine hours, mm-hmm. be here for a couple of days, and then fly back. Unless you're going to do something like they're there for two or three weeks and they play two or three matches, it makes sense. But if you're doing one game here and then you fly back home, it's a, it's a competitive disadvantage for these teams. If you're in a run-in, let's say we have a game in March, right? We're about six or seven weeks out from the game for the season being over. And Barcelona's got to travel to Orlando, Florida, Miami, Florida to play a match. And then they got to fly back in the following week. They had to play Real Madrid in the Alpha. Yeah. How is that fair to Barcelona? It isn't fair. So they got to fly all the way here, fly all the way back. And then Real Madrid's been playing at home in Spain and playing in Madrid. And then they get to host Barcelona. It isn't fair. It's, it's yeah. a competitive disadvantage. The idea of it, the marketing idea behind it, it's great. You know, they want to make money. But at the end of the day, if the rumors are true and the stories that are coming out that all 20 captains are going to step in and say we're not going to play in the United States, I wouldn't be against it because it's the Spanish first division. It's Spanish football. It should be played in Spain. Thanks for thinking about us. Thanks for trying to get us a game. But at the end of the day, it's not good for the league. It's not good for the players. And it's bad for the standard of the play. And it will hurt them eventually down the line. But, Emily, you came up with something um, during the week, which to me is the absolute ideal game and time to be playing a competitive La Liga match outside of Spain. What was it? Uh, The Supercopa. Exactly. Why not? See, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's essentially a glorified preseason friendly, but it's still competitive. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to cause chaos in the taking away home advantage, away advantage, whatever, from mm-hmm. a team in a round robin, asymmetrical draw. Um, even and they're going to Ray- be big teams as well, Emma. Like a guaranteed exactly. two big teams. Yeah, it's not going to be. Uh, they're going to be teams that people are going to want to see. That they're teams that uh, they can promote. I can even make an argument for the Copa del Rey final. Yeah, you know what? It's 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 not a, it, it. You know what? It's not the worst idea in the world if they, if they are looking to really push through with it. Now, personally, there's not hope in hell of there being a La Liga game being played in America. In my opinion, there's no chance, no chance. How, how can there be? Who the well, fuck? Who, the, who's uh, got, who's going to sign already, up to that? The captains already went to. Uh the association today and said that they're not uh it ain't happening they're not gonna do it no but yeah your idea it's it's you know if they are going to do it if it if if, if there's to be a fair balance between the players the teams and the league itself you know the the super cup final i mean it, it, there's a trophy at the end of it as well you know it's a spectacle i mean exactly. we watched we watched the um Sevilla and Barcelona and like okay they went both teams went at their best but it was it was competitive and they they both wanted to win it yeah in the end it was a it was a decent game of football and they could 
and they played it in Morocco. So why wouldn't they play it in Los Angeles, in Miami, wherever? As long as, as yeah, as long as the teams are accommodates. Yeah, and I I don't see why they wouldn't be, especially if, say for instance, it's Real Madrid or Barcelona who'd already been on preseason tour in America. Why not just stay out there for a little bit more time, play the Supercopa? It just makes total sense to me. What about that, Daryl? Well, the Supercopa, fine. Yeah, you can play that abroad, but absolutely nothing else. Absolutely no way. No way the Copa del Rey final should be played out there for a start. Because as much as I've just said it's not a huge priority for Barcelona, what about every other club in La Liga Yeah, that is Barcelona or Real Madrid? It would be disgusting if they moved that game to a different country. What if what any other team that makes it, it's a huge thing to them, except for Barcelona and Real Madrid? Yeah, that's so very true. You're effectively stealing that moment from their fans. Even, I mean, I remember a few years ago when Athletic beat Barcelona in the Super Cup and they broke the barge out and they did the full celebration. So it's, it was like a... Re- to us, it's, yeah, it's a glorified preseason friendly. Well, it wasn't to them. No. So going to take that from them so no actually do you know what no fuck it they don't even get the super copa fuck this <laughs> shit absolutely not. no competitive games should be played outside of spain no spanish competitive games should be played outside of spain english outside of england german outside of germany forget it not a chance they can have the pre-season friendlies and that is it everything else is either a competitive disadvantage to teams or it's stealing something from the fans. Usually it will be both. Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. Um, we're going to move on with a couple of questions here from Twitter. Uh, Tyler, I come to you. Neil Parsons asks, which team surprised most in the first week? Which team surprised me the most in the first week? Yeah. Ooh. It's got to be Huesca, right? You know, newly promoted team, small team, not a big team. And, you know, when we talk about size, clinical Win two to one, good start to their La Liga season, and there's this optimism, right? They they play Athletic Club next, then they get Barcelona, right? Getting three points, getting victory underneath your belt is so important, especially for any newly promoted team in any league. So for them to have a good start, Athletic Club coming up an emotional two one victory themselves, I think that's going to be a very good matchup. I think if US can play on that counter attack, I think they could be very very uh, problem, you know, for Athletic Club, and I'm looking forward to that. And I think Huesca was my surprise team. It was such a good performance by them. They didn't look like they were shocked by the occasion, and they deserved to win that match as well. So it was good to see them get three points, a newly promoted team, and I'm really hoping they can put some stuff together this season, go on a decent run. I've always said if a newly promoted team starts well, it's really good for them towards the end of the season if they can accumulate points early on before they kind of hit those struggles like most newly promoted teams do. But Huesca was my uh, surprise team, and it was really great to see them win 2-1. Yeah, it was a great game. Enjoyed the, um Dan, did you watch Athletic versus Leganes last night? Uh, I caught bits of it, mate. I, uh, the majority of it. And I was absolutely gutted for Leganes at the end. I really were, because I didn't give them a chance before the game, and from to concede so late, but then at the same time, any time Munyain scores, I'm just so happy for the lad because of all of his injury problems. And I was torn. I really was torn at the end because the team, uh, 
battled well. They they equalised so quickly after going one nil behind, and then to be not robbed, but to have the point snatched away at the death like that were were gutting. But I won't have it anybody else that when you need to get the winner. But that's what Joy Joy Erin asked. She wants to know: Do you think this is the season where Munyain starts basically scoring? If he stays fit, I, 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 surely he will. I, I just think it's the staying fit part which has been quite tough for him recently. I, look, I, I know you'll love Adris as much as I do, Gav, but he's going to slow down. <laughs> Whether it's this season or next, is he's going to slow down a little bit, and the, the need to rely on more goals from the rest of the squad. Uh, Munyain's one of them, so is Inyaka Williams. Two players who will get into great positions, but for me, don't score as much as they should do. And imagine those three, the two I've just mentioned and other is, all banging goals in for fun. Athletic will be some, some team this season, if they can get those three players just scoring for fun and with the pace from Williams, the height and the aerial threat from Adoritz, I just hope it happens. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, Dan, um, I was pissed off watching that match last night. I'll tell you why. We're all doing the sound of La Liga mark a fantasy team, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But Gav's like a fucking tick. Goes out and spends thirty million on an ego Martinez. And right. because Marker a fucking marker, they decided to let me know that an ego was available. So I stuck him in. Oh bother. That's grand. I also have DeMarcos at the back. I have a pretty fairly strong back five. Because that's what I decided this week. I'm gonna go five four one. Who did I have up front? Adderitz. Fucker gets a hamstring injury. Inigo Martinez has been fucking injured for weeks. <laughs> Oscar came off as well, didn't he? Well, yeah, didn't what do... the fuck? <laughs> it's a scam it is, that <laughs> sounds like it's a scam it is. And by the way, Emmy, you're leading it, but it's still a scam. <laughs> yeah, I have Danny Carvajal to uh, thank for that. It's still a scam, though. Fucking Inigo Martinez is available. Him. Not a bad loser, him. If they're going to tell me he's available, I'll put him in. But he's clearly fucking injured. Sounds like sour grapes. Silly grapes. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate losing that. Me find the fa- me, me fantasy football. I hate that shit. Hate it. But, um, oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. Taps. Air friend Taps asks. I'm going to hit Tyler with this one. Tyler. Who's going to be the top goal scorers outside of the elite? So what are we considering the elite? Are we considering? Oh, I suppose you have to Messi, Messi and Bale. I suppose are going to be the elite this season, aren't they? Definitely, I think those two are going to be good. But I think Bale's going to finish outside the top five for goal scorers in the division this season. I think one player I'm looking forward to watching if he can stay fit and he can get onto the football pitch. I think Mitchie Batshuayi is going to be a hell of a goal scorer based on our sample size. We saw Borussia Dortmund last season, 14 appearances, nine goals for them, which helped them propel them to Champions League football. I think Valencia, with how they're looking to play, I think they're going to be really good. Rodrigo's got to be a good bet as well. 
just based on that great finish he had in the second half against Atletico. I mean, that was a thumping finish. He took it right off the chest, and he just rocketed right into the top of the net. So I think those two are two players I would be definitely looking at as potential top five goal scorers in the division this season. No Suarez at all. I hate Luis Suarez. I'm just putting it out there. I think he's absolute trash, and I don't understand why he's still <laughs> at Barcelona. Yeah. Say hello to Daryl. Hi, Daryl. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. <laughs> Love. You can tell that I spent a lot of time with Daryl that my disdain for Luis Suarez is more than just the fact that he played for Liverpool. It's exactly the fact I guarantee you, before he came onto the pods, you were in love with fucking Luis Suarez. I hate him with a passion. Don't even yeah. dare say that slanderous <laughs> shit to me. Fuck Suarez. And he's <sighs> even worse now. Hold on. You watch you watch Barcelona play, and it's just like, you, you're telling me you couldn't invest any money and an extra striker. You're telling me you couldn't find somebody to bang in the goals for Barcelona because he's just so wasteful. He just He's a shell of himself. You see him play for for Uruguay, and you're like, wow, that's a hell of a player. Then you watch him play for club, and it's just like, he's lazy. He's not, he doesn't, he lacks that movement, and he doesn't give a shit. There's a reason why Barcelona haven't won a Champions League since 2015. It's because he sucks in big matches and knockout stage games when there's, you know, winner take home. There's a reason why, because he's wasteful. Putting that out there. Fair enough. <laughs> the, um, Daryl, did you watch the Atleti and Valencia game? No, missed it. Oh, man, you missed an absolute cracker. Emma? Yep. You, did you see the match? I did. What a game of football. It was great, wasn't it? Mad game. I'll tell you, if Valencia and Atleti, Jesus, they're on par, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think uh, Valencia kind of acquitted themselves a bit better in the second half than they did in the first half. Um. And the very, I think we need to talk about the very rare collector's item from Diego Godin. Isn't this, ex, isn't this extraordinary? This, there's I know. A stat, there's a stat behind this. 2012. Was the last time he was at fault for a goal. Incredible. Extraordinary, isn't it? Incredible. That's what, six feckin' years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And anyone who dare turns around and makes the case that he is, hasn't been the greatest out-and-out defender for the last decade is off the... F- it's, they're off the head. No, oh, they're talking out their ass. They have no idea. Um, but Rodrigo's goal was great. Brilliant, it was wasn't it? Brilliant finish. And do me a favour, Emmett. The lad, I can't pronounce his name. Um, Batshuayi. 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 He could have he could have taken the three points, but that man again, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in world football. If if, if, if any other goalkeeper, they have three points. Yeah, God black. God black class. is an extraordinary goalkeeper. I wish he played for Barcelona. I really do. Oh, but we've, we've got ah, geez, Daryl with Ter Stegen. I mean, would you would you swap Ter Stegen for Oblak? No, no, because I think that. Really? I wouldn't swap Ter Stegen for a black. No, I think that his distribution makes a really it's it's important to Barcelona to have a goalkeeper with that kind of distribution. So no, I wouldn't. Oblak's an amazing player, but that's 
there's amazing and then there's amazing in terms of Barcelona's needs. I remember us having this discussion yeah. with um, he, Mina is a fantastic defender, but he will never fit into Barcelona's system because he doesn't have the requirements, the pace, the agility, etc. Well, in the case of Ter Stegen, what he has, his X factor as a Barcelona goalkeeper is the precision passing of Pep Guardiola. It's just phenomenal. No, you make a good point. Um, but there was, there was a favourite, will it? Say arse again, will it? Arse. Oh, brilliant. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Dan, did you watch Real Madrid and Hetafe? Yeah, man, I did. What do you think? What do you think of Real Madrid? It was the perfect performance for what they needed after losing to Atleti in the European Super Cup. There weren't any defensive errors which we saw in abundance. The control of the game they had a lot of possession, a lot more than we've we've got Yulston under Zidane. Bale scored, uh, which is massive for him because after Ronaldo's departure, it's all been about Gareth Bale in terms of is he going to get the goals? Is he going to win them matches? And it was a comfortable game for Madrid. It was a good fixture for him. And it's business as usual, really, for him. And I think surely they've got to be happy with that after losing to the City rivals a couple of days before. What about Darrell? Do you see the Real Madrid game? Uh, I've seen highlights. That's about it, really. Or did the impress you? Did you? I know. Do you care? I like that they they looked solid. I mean, they they looked very Real Madrid. They like they're in control. They did what was necessary. I'm pleased to see Bale score because even though he's a merengue who looks like a monkey. He's still an ex-Southampton man, so he made watching Real Madrid win a Champions League final a bit more bearable this year. And I'm hoping to see him kick on and keep make them competitive in the sort of post-Ronaldo era now. And this is a good start for it. Yeah, no, I thought um, I thought Real Madrid they were uh, they were clinical. They they kind of reminded me. Look, I'm not being nostalgic or anything like that, but they reminded me of the Real Madrid. Pre Ronaldo, I know it sounds ridiculous, but they just looked like a really, really formidable unit. They could have scored more than two. Hatafi weren't bad, you now in fairness to them, they really weren't bad. But Real Madrid on another night could have put five or six past them. And um, we have another question here, Tyler. I'm gonna ask you this question. This is actually, I, I like this question. Um, Tyler, this is actually from a lad called Tyler. Based on the acquisition made by Valencia, what is the ceiling for the season? Top three, quarterfinals of the Champions League, or all of the above? I think all of the above. It has to be, right? We've seen what they've done. They brought in two strikers in the in the offseason, two good strikers that will improve the squad. Uh, you look at their match against Atletico, they come from a goal behind against a really attacking Atletico side as well. I think we must say, I don't think any of us expected them to go away from home and set up with the way they did, but they came out attacking and there's a great piece of football in the first half. And then the way they came back, they answered back. I felt like maybe they should have done better. Maybe Nick the three points, but you would hope maybe they would have a good run in Copa del Rey. I would hope 
based on what we saw in prior seasons with La Liga clubs in European football, hopefully they get a good draw and they can be in a group where they can get to the round of 16. And then maybe if they get lucky, they can draw Manchester United and eliminate them like Sevilla did last season based on uh, negative Jose Mourinho tactics. But I definitely think top three is very achievable. I think if you're a Villarreal, uh, a Sevilla, you got to be worried by the fact that Valencia got stronger and they look like a team that could compete with Atletico and Real Madrid and Barcelona for those top four positions and maybe even get into top three if things go their way and they can keep people fit. So here's my question to you. Do you think there's an opportunity for them to maybe finish third in La Liga based on what we've seen Atletico do, seeing what Real Madrid did against Getafe and their 2-0 victory and how great the style of play it was and how great they passed the ball, how they maintained possession, and obviously Barcelona are favorites with Lionel Messi leading the lines. Where do you think they land this season? Do you know what, Tyler? I was actually made, uh, something was brought to my attention after the match that I didn't actually realise. Um, Simeone and Marcelino have a, what would you say, a rivalry that's quite unique in t- today's game. A, it goes unnoticed. B, it's fucking ridiculous that no more than one goal has been scored by either team in any game in the last 10 games between the two managers. Wow. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Marcelino and Simeone are today's Pepe Mourinho of, say, eight years ago. It's brilliant. I think Marcelino's a fantastic manager. Actually, I, I really, really like Marcelino. Simeone's just Simeone. He's just a mad bastard. But the two contrasting styles of play from the other night was, you know, was really evident. Like, um, I'm, all, I'm all for attacking football, but at the same time, you can't help but, you know, respect what Atleti do. Do I think it, Valencia can hit top three? No. I don't think so. Now, I say that today. If they beat Barcelona, Real Madrid, and, you know, I may change my mind. Obviously, I'm just speculating here, but I still think they were, if, if, Atleti hadn't have played that Super Cup, I think Atleti would have won. Very interesting. I do like the signature of Daniel Waz, though. I, I want to say that I think oh, he's cracking, a cracking player to... Uh, Six million euros, too. In this marketplace, to get a player of that quality that has this kind of experience in the league as well, for six million euros, I thought that was a steal. I think it's going to be one of the signings of the, of the season if he can, continues the way he has been so far. But you still think Batshuayi gets 20 goals? I think he can score 25 goals easily. Oh, you- okay. We're going to do a bet. We're going to do a bet live on the, the pod. Okay. And we're going to do a, a 10 euro, $10 charity bet. Okay. You pick the All charity right. and you'll I'll be done. Pick, I'll pick the charity when you have to pay the 10 euro because it's not a fucking hope in hell he's getting 20 goals, Chief. He's going to get 20 goals. I promise you he's going to be first choice next to Rodrigo, and he's going to be absolutely clinical. I think sometimes people look at his time at Chelsea as uh, he came off the bench, but he was the reason the reason why they won the clinching game. He was the guy that got on the end of the set piece. He was a great you know, emergency substitute. He was that guy that you could bring on in the final minutes. And we look at what he did with Borussia Dortmund. 14 matches, 14 appearances, 9 goals. I know what people will say, oh, it's the Bundesliga, this, this, and that, but still a competitive league and you still got to put the ball in the back of the net and he's a much better version of a striker than a lot of people will expect i know a lot of people had fun moments with him at the world cup with kicking the ball off the post into his own face that was hilarious 
I do think he can score 20-plus goals in La Liga this season. No if and, or buts. Oh, Emmett, what's he going to Dear God, I will double down on this. There's no <laughs> way he scores 20 goals. If Andre Silva can get it's a hat trick on debut, Mitchy Batuai can get 20 plus goals in La Liga. It's, it's just, never going to happen. It's going to happen. It's really not. When we get to Christmas, you guys will be singing my tune saying, Holy shit, he doubled down on this all the way back in August. Just put it if, that, if that happens, then the world will have ended. Toilet, yeah. we get to Christmas. Donald Trump is the president of my country. The world's already ended. Tyler, I can guarantee you come Christmas, you'll have blocked every one of us on Twitter. <laughs> I hope you troll me so badly if it happens the way I don't see it happening. So he's going to get 20-plus goals. I promise you that. He'll score, more, <laughs> he'll score more goals than Rodrigo. Damn. Oh, my God. <laughs> 20 all competitions? Possibly. Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody said all competitions. That's, yeah, but in La Liga, I don't see it just because they've got good options and he's not guaranteed to start every game, is it? You know, Gamero is he knows the league. He don't score as much as he should and but I don't know. What we're talking about, Gav. Get off the fence, man. Do you know what? It's the same for a new season, same guy. Get <laughs> off the fucking fence, man. Will you? <clears throat> oh, oh is it we're talking about again, Gav? Bashi <laughs> That is Kofi Annan of the fucking of the Sound of La Liga podcast. It's Always just... negotiating. Always just trying to keep the peace between everyone. Tyler, you're fucking wrong. I'm with <laughs> Daryl, stop it. Don't be so Chad, I, just agree I think you. Rodrigo will finish at least five goals ahead of him in La Liga. Five There's goals. my contribution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will take that bet. I'll take that bet with you. Jesus Christ, Todd, you're going to be fucking broke. It's okay, I live in America. We steal for a living over here on this side of the pond. That's true, very true. Um, Tyler, are you leaving us? Yeah, I'm going to be signing off now, but I wanted to say this to everybody listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Sound of La Liga podcast, and it's always a joy to talk to every single one of you guys. So, cheers for having me on. Uh, Tyler, let people know where you were found. All right, check me out on Twitter, T-Dunfooty, D-U-N-N-E. Check out Banter FC. I'm a La Liga Premier League-centric uh, podcast, so we just talked those two leagues. I've had a slew of you guys on already on the panel. So if you enjoyed Daryl's rants, we have a great podcast that we did about uh, some stupid kid who's a Manchester United fan saying that Andres Iniesta is not that good of a footballer. Uh, so if you want to listen to him, absolutely take this kid, drag him through the mud, and stop him dry. Listen to that. We've also had Emma on. We've had you on, Gab. So... It's a real fun time. We have lots of great conversations just like this, so it's an absolute pleasure. So check me out, Panther FC. Follow me on Twitter, T-Dunfooty, D-U-N-N-E. Tyler, before you go, I have to ask you one question that I'll be asking everybody else later on. What was your goal of the weekend? Hmm. Goal of the weekend. It's got to be Rodrigo. Just the fact that that cross comes in, he chests it down, and he just puts it right on the roof of the net. I mean, it's, it was great. Or you could just say, if you're a gambling guy, and you gambled on Danny Carvajal to score the first goal for Real Madrid at 22-1 to odds, that could be the goal of the week for you, too, if you put a 10 spot on it. Putting, putting it out there. Fair enough. Listen, Tyler, mind yourself, and we'll get you back on again soon. Cheers, mate. Take care, Chief. I actually have a question. Um, this weekend, seeing something that hasn't been seen in La Liga since 2009, 
and we're talking about Barcelona and Real Madrid basically looking like people just weren't interested in going to the games. Emmett, you went to see Barcelona play Alaves. Now, it's not, it's not one of, we say, La Liga's biggest fixtures, but from experience um, throughout the years, going to see Barcelona play, the likes of going to see somebody like Alaves is quite affordable, or it was affordable. Yeah, what? it's still affordable. Yeah, it's still affordable to points. Well, like we have to, do, do you know, this is going to be deep. This is going to actually go in um, fairly deep as far as I'm concerned. So I'll, I'll put it out there. Uh, with Barcelona, with the, the way the club structure is, the socios and all that, the reality of it is there's 98,000 seats in the Camp Nou. Every single one of them seats are sold before the season even starts to the season ticket holders. And there's a 10-year waiting list. It's... Barcelona as a club get our money. However, it looks absolutely ridiculous on the TV. How bad was it in the in the stadium? Uh, it was quiet. I will say that. Um, but I think there was about somewhere between fifteen sixty thousand there. Right. The official thing was fifty nine thousand, which is what. 30, 39,000 short of capacity. Am I right? Yeah, 39,000 yeah. short of capacity. Where were they? Well, I mean, you can attribute a few things to it. I, if you want to try and mitigate it, there was the late kickoff time. Yeah, but that was never a problem before, Emma. That's true. Um, there, well, you can say that there is a lot of people who are socios will be on holiday or whatever mm-hmm. but that's again a really shit excuse because the club will buy back uh the right to sell that seat for that particular game that you don't attend yeah and just before we got the exact same policy is put to play with Real madrid uh what they buy back yes the right this is, yeah it's all it, as the same, just like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Socion Club, uh, season ticket, it's all sold out. Every basically every see every week is paid for. Yeah. And those the socios who can't attend, who don't want to attend, as you said, can sell back their season ticket on the day to the club. And then the club in turn can resell them tickets for quite a substantial profit and fairness to them. Yeah. Can, yeah. But what 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 what's happening here? Emma, I'm of I'm of the opinion that this 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 is the start of something. I don't think this is a one off. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, especially against the smaller teams, because they're not going to be that much of a draw for the tourists. I guess they want to see a more uh, a, a game against a bigger team, which I don't think should be the case anyway, because you're paying to see Messi. Go watch Messi. Yeah, OK. You're playing to see. Yeah, OK, you're paying to see Messi. But... What but about? What, I don't what, know what, what the but, problem is. I don't know whether on. we're Emma, pricing Emma. out people. Emma, you're saying you're paying. You know, the, for the tourists, you, you're paying to see Messi. What about what about paying to see Barcelona? Exactly. That should be enough, shouldn't it? 
but I mean, thirty nine thousand is a yeah, fairly significant number. It's enormous. I think Madrid were even worse, worse. than were. Is it okay? Let's let's take Madrid. Is it the Ronaldo effect? Could be. I mean, I I think you'd be naive to say to not to think that that doesn't play a part. I mean, Madrid, I think, is, again, they also have the thing of everybody in Madrid, because it's too hot, is out of town. Everything's pretty much closed in the month of August, near enough to local places. Um, but, yeah, Valencia... But still, I mean, but Valencia, we want to try and market the game to America, but we can't even get enough fans to fill our own stadiums in our own country. Well, we might want to look at that first before. But you look at Valencia's Mestoya, it was absolutely boasting. Oh yeah, it was rammed, wasn't it? I mean, you can't use the excuse that's too hot. No, because they had water breaks. We didn't have water breaks. They had the heat rule. We didn't. I don't know what it is. I wish I knew. I wish I could sort of pinpoint an easy. I have an opinion on it, but I have an Go opinion on. on it, but I'm not going to give it to you. Yet. I want to get that. I want to get Daryl's um, thoughts on it. Daryl, what do you think? Well, I mean, I kind of had this feeling like with Barcelona and Real Madrid being so successful for so long, Real Madrid obviously in Europe, Barcelona in the league. I wonder if there is a situation now in which we've reached a stage at which fans are kind of in a cannot win kind of position if you know what I mean um, with the vast majority of games fans of those two clubs will go in expecting a win so if you get something that's less than win if you get even a draw or a loss for most of those games that feels like even a draw feels like a defeat so it's, and even the win just feels like par so I do wonder if there's kind of almost like a success fatigue that's creeping in, whereby the highs only seem to come against the really big clubs where they feel like they're challenged. And I maybe that's a major part of it. Like they, there's, it's, it's almost like the excitement of winning has gone to a degree. What about, what about the Iniesta factor? Does that play a factor in it, Daryl? No. No, I, I, I don't believe that if you're not turning out to see Messi, I don't think the absence of Iniesta is making that much of a difference. And you factor in the number of other great players at the club. No, as much as I love Andres Iniesta, I don't see people like leaving their season tickets at home because he's in Japan. Okay, but for forty euro a ticket, I mean, it's okay. It's it's expensive. If, if you're a family and you want to take a couple of kids, but for 40 euros, you don't see like Messi in the camp now. You know, it's as cheap as it's going to come. Again, why are 29,000 people missing? But again, I mean, you go back to, if I go back to what I said before, it's, I think, like I say, it's, it's not necessarily about money. I feel like there's a psychological fatigue that's crept in with both of the, the two big Spanish giants now, whereby they have become so dominant that there is almost like every, every win is effectively just par. They've, it's now just acceptable unless you're facing a giant club. And then you start to see the turnouts in the Champions League for the Classicos. 
the ones in which it feels like a win really is a win, as opposed to anything less than an emphatic win being feeling like a defeat. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily down to the money. I don't think it would hurt to reduce ticket prices. Uh, if let's face it, if you're if you're getting in almost forty thousand less than your capacity, then maybe that tier of um, match that particular ticketing tier of match maybe they do need to lower the price on it but i i don't feel like that is the true problem there i think there is a psychology around both of those clubs now that's it's gonna almost like something that it might take a lack of success to shrug off it might take mm. the club in question having an absolute shocker of a season in which they win fuck all to suddenly start feeling like actually we're fighting for something again because it hasn't it hasn't really felt like they're fighting for things for most of the recent era. Dan, what about yourself? Dan, when was the last time you went? Have you? When was the last time you've been to the, the camp now? Uh, for a match, it, yeah. a couple of seasons ago now, mate. I'm just trying to think when it was being two, or th- two, or three seasons, mate. Yeah, about three seasons, mate. Was Messi playing? Uh, yeah. Space plaque? Uh, not as much as it as I expected. I'm just trying to think the game now, mate. They won four nil. Uh, but it was a lot better attendance from what I remember, from what I've seen. And listen, any chance to see Messi, you, you've got to take it. Well, just go on, mate. No, well, I'll tell you, right. I'm gonna go back to Emma, right? Because Emma, Emma will notice Emma. One, one of the first Barcelona games we went to would have been nearly 20 years ago. And I remember going into it, seeing the camp out the first time, blown away. But what stuck with me to this day was the noise. Mm-hmm. This... I've never experienced noise like it. It was insane. Madness. People in the stands were just wild. Now, I'm of the opinion that for the last couple of seasons, when I say the last couple of seasons, I'm going to go as far as say the last seven seasons, Barcelona banned all the ultra groups. They did. Almost every one of them, and they they banned the Bosch and us, the yep. main boys. Um, I don't, you know, I don't agree with how they ended up, but I remember seeing them boys, and I've seen them plenty of times over the years, and them boys are fucking loud. They are. They created an absolutely uh, incredible atmosphere. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, they, they and banned. especially for a visiting team, pretty hostile as well, which we yes. could use some of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the last couple of seasons, we've had Messi at his absolute peak. We've had Suarez at his peak for Barcelona. We've had Neymar. We've had these absolute, let's be honest about it, Galacticos, who in today's modern era have more of a following individually than the club do. That'd be fair to say. These are yeah, idols to people. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. If you go to a Barcelona Champions League match, you will see a different atmosphere. 
the reason being, and I've noticed this, I've noticed this a few times in the last couple of years that I've been there, the tickets aren't policed by the club because UEFA have made sure that a certain amount of tickets have to be made available to the public. It isn't, the socials don't own those tickets. They get, mm-hmm. They're given preference. But at the end of it, for argument's sake, 50,000 socials decide to show up. 40,000 others show up. And a massive amount of them are the lads that are banned. Yeah. You go to a Champions League night in Barcelona and it's it, it, you remember the oldest, in my opinion. Mm, is it yeah, about yeah, is it about time now that Barcelona sat on you know what? It to me Camp Nou is too family friendly. I know that sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it's too family friendly. It's a tourist attraction instead of it being a Coliseum. Yeah, they are trying to sell it as a tourist attraction because that's what makes money, I think. But do you think we've become too gentrified? Yes, we have, Emma. We have, haven't we? We really yeah, have. We, We've lost that we hostile have. atmosphere that we used we, we, to have. We're not fucking hostile. We're, but the camp is not a hostile place to go. Oh, you it's really the, not. You take the piss. All you had to do was no, a I famous... No, I lost the hostile Oh, sorry, my, my apologies, my apologies. Emma, there's a famous picture going around this week, um, and it's a brilliant picture. It's a powerful picture, if you look at it from two angles. It's a picture of Messi running over after scoring. It's a brilliant picture. And oh, yeah, the, uh, the old couple who were celebrating and everybody else with phones around them. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at that picture closely, you will see Liverpool fans. United fans. And the reason you see them is because they're wearing the fucking jerseys. Yeah. 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that. And yeah. now, obviously, technology, I'm not talking about the phones and all that. You would not have seen a fucking Liverpool fan in that part of the stadium. No, absolutely not. Because they wouldn't have been allowed. That's no, the old. Because of the, the resale ultras. of the tickets. Yeah, that's the ultras. Yep. So for me, People have asked this week, people ask, what about the attendances? To me, Barcelona as a global gargantuan mammoth of a brand. And it, it is, it's, it's extraordinary how big they've got. People talk about La Masia and all that type of bullshit and the philosophy and all the club. Barcelona at one stage were, in my opinion, one of the most ferocious grounds to go to. Yeah, and I think you can argue... Uh, that in recent years we've become disnified. We're like, it's sanitized. They're keeping a rain on it because money, I assume, because they make yeah. more money that way. But we do lose something in atmosphere. We really do. It's, oh, it's, Emma, it's a tear. It's not, it, look, let's be fair about it. People, like, it's not, it's not a stadium where you go to and the oppose. I don't care who the oppose. The only thing the opposing team are, are afraid of is the 11 pairs on the pitch. They're not afraid of the fans in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Or unless they're, you know what, if they're afraid of flashes or <laughs> shit like that. Because when we scored a goal, in the last couple of seasons when we've been over there, and we scored a goal, all it's claps. Oh, yeah, it really is. I took one photo while I was there and it's, just um that was before the kickoff that was at the warm-up that's it because uh, i go i pay my money to watch the football and experience the goal not look at it through my phone i'd watch it on tv if that's you know what i wanted but that's it, it you're not fine that's the way 
Yeah, lately, just people that want the it, Instagram moment. Yes, instead of actually feeling what it is to be a Barcelona fan. Exactly. Yeah, they don't know. I don't think anybody really gets that anymore. It's and a different age, I guess. But. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's sad. And it as really I said, sorry for cutting you off. I, 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 the Barcelona's were. You know, they, they, they have a nasty reputation because of the right-wing allegiances and the shit they don't tell apart and all that type of crap. But I'll still maintain today, when Barcelona get into the last 16, the quarter-finals, semi-finals of the Champions League at home, them boys are there and that stadium is loud. Yeah, um, the last truly great atmosphere I can remember being at was PSG comeback in the Champions yeah. League. The last one I was at was the... Do you remember we beat AC Milan? Um, oh, jeez. was it 3-1. Messi scored that extraordinary goal a few uh-huh. minutes into the game. That was fucking... That was old school as far as I'm scared. That I mean, was I mental. Again, in, against Chelsea and the atmosphere wasn't as good as it was against Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, it was better than it was um, Saturday, obviously. But that that night it was like... It was like the old days. Yeah. What do you think of that, Daryl? We've said a lot, so what do I think of what? No, well, what do you think of the fact? Do you, do, you, do, you see, do you see, like, you mentioned, you talked about the, you know, success fatigue with the fans and how, you know, it's, you know, these are... There's arguably, definitely a gentrification element. There is definitely a gentrification element there. Um, and there's definitely a kind of tourist trap back to there. But what I would look at here is like, obviously that's intended to attract money. You bring in the tourists and they flock in. And I'd, I know that there's sort of a big backlash against the tourists on there. If the tourists are Barcelona fans, fantastic. But like you say, you do see a lot of Man United shirts, Liverpool shirts. They're literally just, they're not really supporting the club. They're there for seeing Messi in particular, seeing et cetera, et cetera, and saying they've been at camp now. Um, but I would say if the idea is to attract more money in, if you're if you're missing out on selling almost 40,000 tickets, then you're not doing a very good fucking job of attracting that money in, are you? You're clearly no. blowing something. And yeah, you you can viscerally feel the difference in those Champions League games, even just through the television the difference yeah. with those big matches in the Champions League, it's it's back to looking at like the early nineties games and the the well the nineties through to the early two thousands and through the Rijkaard era when it was absolutely visceral and obviously the most the most visceral moment of all the pig's head thrown on the pitch mm-hmm. at Figo you just wouldn't have that now no and. For all the controversy about it and people throwing fucking lighters and some maniac throwing a mobile phone at him when mobile phones were actually still expensive, that's that's an atmosphere that you can't replace. And I don't think turning it into fucking Disneyland football edition yeah. is any substitute. And like I say, they're not even bringing in the money. Forty, Almost 40,000 tickets not sold means you fucked up the money side of it as well. So the trade-off isn't worth it either. What about that, Dan? Um, how do you feel about that? 
would you, if you, do you know what, Dan, if, if, if I was on the board, and it's a fucking shame I'm not, I mean, people ask me why I'm not. <laughs> but do you know what, Dan, the first thing I do is go around to it, because they banned so many ultra groups, it's it's laughable. I mean, you have, I can't think the lads, there's, um, oh, Emma, who, who's the main crowd that are there now? There's a... There's a, I can't think the fucking. There's an ultra group there. They're fairly sizable, but they're passive, uh, if you want to call them. Fuck. The name is escaping yeah. me. At the Do you know what? I'm not going to put it here because it's escaped me too. But there is a fairly sizable um ultra ultra group that are still allowed in there. And yeah, there don't is. Don't get me wrong. They're, and to be fair to them, they have the flags. They they do create an atmosphere, but it's not enough as far as I'm saying. Dan. If I was turned around and be made president tomorrow and I said, you know what, fuck it, lads, let's come back. How would you feel about that? Well, I mean, you have to look at the political side of it as well, but discussions need to be made where the stadiums got an atmosphere because I compare, I, I compare my trip to, the, my last trip to Count Now to a couple of the stadiums which I went to last year and a massive difference, you know, down at, down in Seville, both stadiums, the atmosphere were brilliant, electric throughout, Valencia, wow, I mean, it helped that they put five past Malaga, but, you know, you, you really felt the energy from the, from the, the diehards in the, in the stadium and nobody wants to play in front of lifeless fans who aren't going to make noise and aren't going to create doubt in opposition's mind that, hey, up, I'm not up for this, you know. So whatever whatever steps need to be taken, I agree that they need to do something to not only get the attendance up consistently, yeah, we know, we, like, like I think Emma said earlier, we know it gets there for the big games, but it needs it for the smaller games as well. And as well as the attendance, get vocal fans back in. We're gonna get the players fired, get the players fired up, get the opposition players a little bit intimidated, and one of the best atmospheres in European football. And not to sound um, uh, not to sound biased towards Barcelona, but I'm telling you now what I'm saying regarding Barcelona is mirrored by what's happening in Real Madrid to De- their ultra groups have been banned too. They they've had to take the massive hit as well. So if anyone's listening and they're thinking that it's all just about Barcelona, it's not. I'd actually mirror that to Real Madrid. And if any Real Madrid fans want to come on, brilliant. Please come on because it gets boring speaking to the same Barcelona and Valencia fans on this pod. So anyways. Um last questions at the pop coming in here, sorry. <clears throat> Uh, I'll hit Daryl because Daryl, it's kind of getting boring, but it's it's still going on. Racky leaving. Eh. 125 million, would you take it for him? Would I take 125 million? Yeah, yeah I probably would. Yeah. Um, not because I want shot of him, but because if you're going to throw absolutely insane money at us for an mm-hmm. ageing midfielder, however good he is, yeah, you've got to take it. But I wouldn't want to see him out of the team. You know, it's not something where I would take a normal bid for him. Fuck that. No, especially not when they're talking about potentially spending a fortune on Rabiot of all fucking people. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would take it. Bigger fan of him as I am. Um, the reason they say you were 125 million, that's his buyout clause. Uh, do you reckon if the 125 million bid came in, uh, let's be honest about it, it really isn't going to come in. But if it did, do you think he'd leave? Um, I think if they offered him a big enough sum, I think he might. I don't think it's that he particularly like that he's desperately angling for a move or anything like that. But sometimes the money is just too much to turn down. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a case of where I'd say he definitely would leave. I I think it's it's a chance that he would, but maybe he'd be one of those guys who's like my family settled here, I'm happy here, so no, I'm not going. Maybe yeah. it could yeah. it could go either way, but it's not one of those where I look at it and think like a Neymar situation. Yeah, he'll totally whore himself out for the money. Yeah. What about that, Dan? Um... Again, I'm only answering questions that are coming in on Twitter, so just to be fair to, to people who've asked them. Uh, look, Dan, for me, I'm, I'm fucking blue in the face. Uh, not defending them, I'm just I'm getting tired of people putting them fucking down. I mean, come on, what do you want from the man? He's fucking brilliant. I'm serious. But, yeah. you know what? Dan, I, put a, I thought it was a great tweet. I was actually... Um, Fernando Redondo, you probably you're probably too young to remember him. Yeah, I've seen the tweet. What your the few no, retweets that they just there. Do you know what? It hit me. Redondo is my all-time favorite Real Madrid player ever. An extraordinary footballer. He was the most versatile player you've ever seen. He could do the wings. He could do the middle. He could do defending. He could do the shit. He did fucking everything. What is so different in what we have in Rakitic? I mean, what what is so different? Okay, he's not as good as Redondo in Redondo's natural position, which was the deep-lying playmaker. He's not as good as him, okay, if you want to be bold and blunt about it. But we didn't sign him as a fucking defensive midfielder. He was signed as an attacking midfielder. He's adapted. And he's adapted brilliantly. Like, what the fuck would anybody want rid of a player like that? The only way I think that people are still going on about getting rid of him is they just don't want to accept that they were wrong. I honestly do. You know, when I see some of the accounts, some of the accounts where you're getting into conversations with and whatnot, I just think that they're, they're being so stubborn that they're going to keep pushing this agenda against Rakitic. And I honestly don't get where it comes from because the versatility of the lad, the ability of the lad is perfect for Barcelona. It really is. In a in a team where you expect to dominate, it can pass the ball well. In a team where you play quite high up and you may get caught at the back, he's got enough about him to to read the the potential attack of the opposition. He's got a great shot on him. His uh, energy levels are great. His stamina is great. And what else do you want? From, what I, I know there's a the, he replaces Xavi, but he, but let's be fair. He, let's be fair. He didn't replace no, Xavi. No, he can't it, replace Xavi. No, he took it. took the position which Xavi had in the starting eleven. And but he, and he's made it his own. Yeah, uh, the the both playing different systems from uh, the and the expectations on both players are completely different. So the comparisons need to stop for a start, which some people are still doing on Twitter, and the appreciation needs to start because will. 
when when he does leave Barcelona, that's when you'll notice it more. What he did, I think a lot of these players, will, uh, a lot of these people, will realise shit. He put in a lot of legwork in that midfield. It, it, and, I, and I'm not just saying legwork as in it, it running about, helping building attacks, getting the ball off Busquets, recovering the ball. Last season proved it. Yeah, last season he were exceptional next to Busquets, and I know you're going to agree with me about how well they made Barca's central midfield. I've not seen it. I've not seen it come under pressure last season. You know, they didn't look lightweight. There were nobody, no teams getting through, and I just don't understand. I'm, I'm trying to be as polite as possible. I know you're not always the case when it comes to protect. No, look, Chief. I'm just uh, look. A question was asked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of respect, I have to show. But um, look, I'll, I'll ask Emma the same. Emma, I mean, yep. Daryl made a good. Daryl made a great point. I mean, on one half, you have half of Barcelona fans saying, "Cop the fuck on. We're not selling." Back. No, he's not leaving. You do the half going, "Yeah, but we get Rabio." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll fuck off with Rabio. Well, this sort of mean, but see, why, why, where, where does this come from? Where is the fucking logic behind? Where does that come from? I wish I knew. I mean, anybody who comes on my Twitter timeline with any sort of shit about Raki is getting blocked and without prejudice. I just, I cannot stand it. I don't know where it comes from. It's so incredibly deluded. I saw a stat, um, which I think he said that he completed the most passes of an opening day weekend of any player in the league of history. Yeah, but can I, do you know what? I love this, uh, I've been following Daryl for a while now. I love Daryl. Daryl's tweets are great. Um, Daryl copped onto something one day regarding Racky and somebody that said something to him that he was, um, what was it, Daryl? Technically limited. No, come yeah, on. No, that, that was Daryl. That was that was Daryl's team. And then I seen yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that was Mo Rosemont. Yeah. Yeah, and then I seen something the other the other last weekend that caught me um, creatively limited. Oh, oh, here, fuck, would off. You? fuck off! What are you talking about, man? It's never ending, isn't it? It's never ending. But look, Rackett is just staying. That's so. absolutely fucking ridiculous. If the money's right, he's you know he's you know getting on a bit. But if they put, if they're willing to offer the the clause, then maybe we should take it. But yes, I do not see, want him to leave. No, but if he was to go, I'd be the first person to go. Best of luck. Thank no, you. Absolutely. Legend. Anyway, look, we'll get off that. And as I said, if anyone thinks we're talking too much Barca, please send more Real Madrid questions in. And if you're a Real Madrid fan, Atleti fan, Villarreal fan, Hadafi fan, Leganes fan, Alaves fan, Girona fan, Real Betis fan, Sevilla fan, Villarreal fan, Valladolid fan, I'm running out of breath here. Who else are we missing? Ray over a Cano fan. Yeah, that'll do because we ran out of uh, thing. Anyways, please come on and let us know. Um, Emma, I'm going to stick with you. Goal of the weekend. Um, Morales from Levante. Oof. Hard to beat that one. Ah, really? That's easy to beat that one. Great, Daryl. 
No, no, Emma's right. It was Morales. Oh, lad, you're a fucking up his head. Dan. Three to Morales. Yeah, Morales, mate. Go on, man. Go on, go. Gaffer, Gaffer, It's a stunning goal. He's a lot of his head. I mean, it was a stunning goal, but Galas Morales' goal was something else. No. Galas' goal. We'll be tweeting that out and guaranteeing Gab wins. Well, look, uh, guys, thanks for that. We'll do again next week. Um, I'm not going to, you know, tell everybody where it's going to be found. It's going to be found on the at Sound of the Liga Twitter account. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to get notifications of what's coming in. You're going to see videos. You're going to see podcasts. You're going to see lots of crazy shit popping up on YouTube over the next couple of weeks. Lads, thank you. And Emma, I never said it, but happy birthday. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.